Welcome. I'm Lauren Ash, and you're listening to the Black Girl in Ohm podcast. Black Girl in Ohm exists to hold and catalyze healing within Black women around the world on their unique journeys towards wholeness. We support the necessary transformation, spiritual awakening, consciousness shifts, and intergenerational healing occurring within the diaspora. This podcast is a warm embrace, soothing realness, and conscious girl talk. Come into conversation with me and our spirit-centered guests. Let the journey begin. Hey girl. 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 The thing is, I already knew that this was going to be a journey. Mhm. Yeah, I'm feeling very reflective. I feel like our paths aligned at a moment where it was like and I took off. And so I'm just excited to catch up really, uh, honestly. We will have to talk about how our paths actually came together in a moment. But first, I just want to welcome you. Thank you. To the Black Girl Known Podcast. I want to introduce our beautiful community of listeners also to you. Some of them, of course, may already know you. But you, LaVon, have been such a beautiful embodiment of... The multidimensionality. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> no, truly, like, the multidimensionality of who we are as Black women, I feel like yeah. you you epitomize that. Thank you, Lord! <laughs> truly. Truly. I received that. Truly. I received that. And mm-hmm. I just want, you know, to give space to you in this moment to share who you are, why you are, and mm. um, how you're unfolding in this moment. My birth name is LaVon Briggs. (laughs) I'm named after my grandmothers, Lynette and Yvonne, put together as LaVon. And so I walk with them every day and it feels like they are just showing their presence in my life more and more and stronger and stronger every day. Um, I identify as a body and sex positive pastor and preacher. I am a spiritual life coach and a transformational speaker. I am the founder of The Proverbial Experience, which is an Instagram live series of spiritual gatherings to nourish your soul. And I show up in the world as a healer. I am centering the experiences of Black women, particularly Black women who have experienced church at some point in their lives, who want to decolonize their religion and spirituality and their faith, who want to love themselves unapologetically in a world that was literally created to tell us (laughs) that we're not worthy. So yeah, I, I live to be the fullest expression of my highest self and to call other sisters to do the same. Ashe. To that I say, Ashe. (laughs) Ashe, yes. I mean, it's so, you're so everything. And we have recently been connecting about Operation Manifest Bay but the thing is that's not what we're here to talk about today but it'll probably just slip and slide on in a little bit slip and slide (laughs) like that wop (laughs) oh wow i'm glad that in season five of the black girl on podcast we've had a wop reference here we go here we go I'm not your mama's preacher. Praise the Lord. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Decolonizing sex, sexuality, the body. Here we go. Yeah. So that's what we got to do. I mean, let's just talk about that real quick. I was going to ask you another question, but we're in flow. This is what we said in the voice memos earlier. We're in flow. We are in flow. You know, I've been thinking a lot about sex and pleasure and the body this yeah. year on a more personal level because A, quarantine season, right? Hello. Be mm-hmm. single. Hello. <laughs> Three, still here for pleasure. Hi. So it's like, just because the first two things are part of the equation doesn't mean that I need right. to stop loving up on myself and opening myself up to receive pleasure, right? Girl, we are surviving multiple pandemics, yes. okay? We need more orgasms now <laughs> than ever before. I have been doing some really transformative work around bodies and sexuality, particularly for Black women who, you know, were raised in church and you hear all this really Me. antiquated ideology. Yeah. Me. You know, I, 
some some black Christian adjacent women. It's like, you know, I, I love the community. Listen, my ancestors want to hear gospel music every once in a while, but you know, all that stuff about the body being evil, I'm not with that. All of that condemning our queer sisters and brothers and non-gender conforming folks, I'm not with that, right? right? And so what's more holistic and what speaks to us as daughters of the African diaspora and other women of color? Because this American anti-black, anti-woman version of Christianity is not the real Christianity, right? right? True Christianity is African. Like right. the figure that we call Jesus was out here in these streets, turning tables and calling people out and speaking truth to power. Yes. And so to get from this revolutionary life to this super puritanical, hyper repressed, you know, not leaving you space to be human. Lauren Hill, I get out of your boxes. Like yeah. I'm not doing this with y'all anymore. And so it's really been important for me, for black women to realize that you've got options. Yes. Ugh. Yeah, we've been socialized and conditioned to believe that this is the way we got to do it. And this is the only way to show me. But universe, source, energy, light, God, whatever you call this highest power, so big that you get in where you fit in. As long as it's ethical and you're not hurting nobody else. Yeah. Do what works for your spirit. So harm free pleasure. Yeah. Consensual. Everything that you just said, I mean, I was just time traveling in my consciousness back to my upbringing, which was very dogmatic Christianity. Uh I went to a a Lutheran school until Uh 10th grade. My whole life was also Christian and more conservative than not. You know, I wouldn't say as conservative as what I hear about friends of mine who were in a Catholic church and school setting. (laughs) That seemed a little more. I mean, because Martin Luther, he was like the radical Catholic who was like, nah, bye. (laughs) Right. 99 theses. Okay. Literally. (laughs) But, um, you know, I remember very vividly like sex education within a Christian school setting only being abstinence only and Ah. being very much, you know, kind of a shaming approach to any kind of exploration Uh or curiosity, right? I vividly remember in seventh grade, um, they separated the boys from the girls and we got to ask our teacher any questions we wanted, which was actually hilarious. And I remember, (laughs) you know, people asking questions about oral sex and they didn't really answer us, right? Like they didn't really Uh. answer. So there were all these questions that we had as like young kids and these are questions that aren't, bad or good they're neutral they're just life questions about the body about sex about sexuality and so you know it's interesting for me to consider that most of my reclamation work around sex and sexuality and pleasure has quite honestly happened within the past two years and i'm i'm about to be 33 Mm -hmm. the past two years Mm -hmm. and that's because i reclaimed my agency and it actually first started you were actually there when it started to be honest what when we were in, in Bali. Bali. Yeah. Bali. Come on, Bali. And we actually have to get back because that's our origin story. But <laughs> when we had this truly sacred and brave, courageous space of black women and women of color who were holding space for one another to be open mm. about the experiences that we've had, mm. you know, both the, uh-huh. the trauma and the harm, as well as... Yeah just the wholeness in all of it too. So it started actually with that, which is powerful that like the naming, you know? Yeah. And and I've been thinking about this a lot lately, actually, like how the naming of our wounds can Mm -hmm. set us free because then it's like, we've said it, we've acknowledged it. And then we can be free to feel something else, which who said that? (laughs) At the retreat? No, no. Like there's a, Someone just spoke through me, but that was not my own words of what I just said. Like, feel so you can be free to feel something. I'm going to look that up later. We'll connect it in the show notes. But it wasn't me, but it came through me. (laughs) But, you know, this connects with something that I really appreciate about you, which is your your willingness to be vulnerable in a way that allows more of us to own also our life experiences and to step into our wholeness. And I'm curious if you'd be open to share a bit more about your story. Certainly. So vulnerability is my superpower. (laughs) It's a beautiful gift 
people will say, oh, that's TMI, or we're not supposed to talk about that. Like, there's no such thing as a taboo topic in my lexicon, for better or for worse. Um, I love to tell this story about growing up in New York City and being on the subway with my mom at like four, five, six years old. It's like six o'clock in the morning and we're going to school and she's going to work. And I'm just like, yeah, and talking, talking, talking. And my mom's like, and what else? And what else? And you know, the other passengers on the train, they're like, oh my gosh, we get this kid to shut up. But my mom has always been pushing me. So now that I'm older and I speak so openly and brazenly about bodies, about sex and pleasure, um, about healing trauma, you know, she's like, you're doing too much. And I'm like, well, mom, <laughs> you raised me to be this way. So um, I'm not sure if this is who was coming through, but I recently posted this Audrey Lore quotation in one of my Instagram captions. And it says, the white fathers told us, I think, therefore I am. The black goddess within each of us, the poet, whispers in our dreams. Mm. I feel, therefore I can be free. Wow. And the only way we're going to be free is if we feel. As black women and women of color, the most educated demographic, the fastest growing number of entrepreneurs. You know, it seems like black girl magic is just what we do, but there's actually something that my therapist has been working with me around called sophisticated avoidance, where we do so much hyperactivity to not sit still because we sit still long enough. Can I cuss on this podcast? You sure <laughs> okay, can. The shit's gonna come up. The shit's gonna come up, right? And the, the thing is, Lauren, is that when it comes up it has to come out and so many of us have been trained to swallow and to repress and to deny and to put everybody else first and i'm the peacemaker i'm the one who makes sure that everyone else is taken care of and those trauma responses are absolutely positively you know biochemical they are physiological um they're cultural they're religious and so what i have done is say what is going on inside of me that i need to give deep holistic attention to and so my story you, you're familiar with my story my story includes so much trauma right? Not unlike other black women and women of color, that it got to the point where I was talking about my trauma so much that it seemed like this is all I was ever going to be. Right. And so I read this article by Sean Jinwright, who's a professor at San Francisco State University. He talks about switching from trauma-informed care to healing-centered engagement. Love. Because what happens is we start to identify with our trauma. I am a survivor. I am a daughter of drug addicts. I am a statistic. And it's like, you're so much more than that. Yes. So when it comes to, um, this is a trigger warning for sexual violence, childhood sexual abuse, rape and molestation, intimate partner violence. When it comes to our bodies, you know, God cares about our bodies and what happens to our bodies. And so particularly for black women who are exponentially, gravely, tragically affected by issues around sexual violence. We have not been doing a systematic job of addressing those needs in and beyond black religious spaces. And so when I look at my life and I say, I can talk about trauma and be healed, or I can talk about pleasure and be healed. Yes. You can only receive as much pleasure as you have received healing. <sighs> and when talking to a room full of black women and women of color, I know that woundedness is in the room. I don't have to keep talking about how much trauma we have. We know it's in us. It's in our DNA. We have inherited some of it. We have personally experienced it. But let me let me beckon you, sis to experience abundance and pleasure. Let me beckon you to sensuality. Yes. Let me beckon you back to your body temple, right? And in the process, you will heal from your trauma. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for that. I'm, I literally have chills. Um, mm. You know, I think what you're saying is why I have been so adamant, especially over the past year, about shifting from conversations about intergenerational trauma to conversations about intergenerational healing, uh -huh. you know, and it's because healing is and has been passed down. That's how we yeah. have found ways to survive and to thrive against all odds. And so yeah. I'm interested in digging into those narratives and knowing that it starts with us, you know, like uh -huh. our generation 
and I'm specifically speaking as a millennial, has had so much uh-huh. greater access to conversations about healing and tools related to healing and even just like being adjacent to conversations <laughs> about healing, right? Like I have friends yeah. who are in deep, you know, who talk about energy and Reiki mm-hmm. and, you know, just all of these things that some folk might be like, wait, what? What are you talking about? Right. But right, then I also right. have friends who like their ears perk up when they hear me talk mm-hmm. about it, but they're not in, but like they're still hearing it. Right. Right. Absolutely. That hasn't always been the case. Right. Like that has not always oh. been the case. Um, Listen. But there are all kinds of strategies and ways of being and knowing that have been passed along that are rooted mm-hmm. in our wholeness and in our healing. Mm-hmm. And I'm so interested in digging into that more because we, <laughs> we must. We must. Yeah, we have to. And it's our birthright, right? Ancestral wisdom and healing. This is what our people were doing before the colonizers showed up, right? Yes. Before European colonizers brought their white Jesus, like our foremothers <laughs> were shaking their breasts at the sun. Like yes. twerking is not new, right? We would shake our butt in worship. Like, thank yes. you, sun. Thank yes. you, rain. Thank you, land. Yes. <laughs> so um, what's happened is just the perversion of black girlhood and black womanhood. And what I love now is that we're reclaiming this moment for ourselves and for our healing. I agree with you wholeheartedly, Lauren. As a millennial, my brother is a millennial. So as millennials, we are doing things differently. But literally in our family, we are the generation that is saying, no, we're not doing this toxic shit anymore. Truly. Y'all put up with this because you had to. We don't have to. So even when you're talking about people are talking about Reiki and energy and vibrations, right? Like our parents would be mortified if they knew how much of our therapy sessions we were putting on Twitter. (laughs) First of all, we can't bear for us to even be in therapy. I don't need therapy. I have God in my life. Okay. Well, you stay over there. I am walking towards the light and I am healing. And anyone who wants to come with me, welcome to come along. Yes. Right. And so just being to talk openly about mental health. Yes. Right. Particularly as black women, because for so long, this trope of the strong black woman, which is a caricature, which is not even real, which is a, a burden that was placed on us to keep us so focused on producing and providing that we never took time for ourselves yes. and just saying no i i want to as i'm sitting here recording this podcast i'm in a black satin bonnet i'm in an olive green savage by fenty robe floor length hey. Hey, thank you, right <laughs> because i want black women in luxury yes. i want black women at ease literally images art media zooms right um the nat bishop uh, the Nat Ministry said that she started going to check her mail in her robe, in her bonnet, because she wants to normalize seeing Black women in leisure. Yes. And I was like, say less. Uh, yes. <laughs> I got you. Uh, so that, and it's just a physical expression of, of the internal transformation that's happening. Yes. Right. I would not show up in this space full and free and happy if I did not know that I was worthy of that freedom and that joy and that flow and that luxury and pleasure. So this is what it is when you're talking about what feels good in your body. It's not always sexual. Sensuality and sexuality are not the same thing. And they've been so conflated in our culture. Yes. Sensuality is rocking a luscious turtleneck to keep you warm from the elements. That's me right now. Okay. I see you. I did it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Sipping champagne while you're kikiing with your girl via Zoom. Yes. Um, buying yourself the beautiful roses. You don't have to wait for a partner for that. Yes. Can I tell you? Because yeah. um, this is great. You read my mind. I was going to ask you what pleases you. Mm. Um, I'm on day f- six, I believe, of this self-love sadhana that I was divinely mm. led to do. Shout out mm-hmm. to, to Shirley, a black kundalini teacher that I conjured into my life at the right time. Mm. Mm. When I discovered that the sadhana was ending on my 33rd birthday next month, I said, say wow. less. I'm say less. Up, right? <laughs> and the reason why I bring that up is because it basically 
It entails me every morning. Well, I decided in the morning um, to take this kundalini posture for 17 minutes. And Mm. it's essentially a blessing, you know, one hand above my crown and the other hand kind of extended out towards the world. And I'm energetically Mm. blessing myself. And you better believe that that shifts the energy and the aura around me and in a way that... I'm being confronted with all the ways that I love myself and all the ways that I don't uh-huh. love myself. And mm. what you were just saying right now about like giving of and and providing the things for yourself that you don't have to wait for someone else. I've also interestingly realized though that it has allowed me to kind of activate my voice and my needs more with other people yep. to have them also yep. give to me more. So yep. I had a friend, uh, a, a male friend come over last week and I, you know what? Let me literally read to you what I sent him because... <laughs> It moved me that I actually uh, sent it, and it moved him, and he told me how much it it made a difference to him. That's Look at me accidentally calling him. Hold hold on, let me make sure. <laughs> conjuring, we are conjuring in this moment. I said, I have a request for you. I'm in a space of divine feminine energy and self-love, which means I'm in a space of receiving and communicating my needs and desires. Can you bring me flowers or another gift to bless me in my home? It's also new moon in Libra. My crystals are charging in spring water and roses on my porch. (laughs) And can I tell you, he was moved by me requesting that, that he then told me that he thought about his whole life. Come on. (laughs) You know, it's so fascinating that when you live in... The I knowness yeah. of your worthiness. You show up differently. And that then calls other people to show up differently around you. Yes. Because now you're being clear about your needs, right? Because your needs are worth being known, met, and exceeded. And now that it's clearly stated that throat chakra was out. And yes. now it's known. And so the universe is like, ah, Lauren has stated her claim. Yeah. Now I have to conspire to make this happen. Yes. And then you teach other people how to entreat you. This is what I like. Yes. And then I witnessed myself I- in that. <laughs> I think to me, one of the most mm-hmm. fascinating things about it is witnessing the self as we expand into that knowing. So for uh-huh. me, it's like I felt a little bit of discomfort, but not as much as I thought. Mm-hmm. And then when I received it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is the new norm. I was like, put the Hello? flowers over there on my altar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud of you. I'm One, proud of me. I'm proud of me too. Being clear. Yeah, I'm proud of you. You showed up and you showed out. And that is the energy we get to carry. Yes. From flowers on your altar to book agents and partners yes. and, 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 right? Whatever you want. Yes. <laughs> Hey y'all, over the years I have received so many messages asking me about my skincare ritual, my beauty routine. It's always, you know, met with a little bit of a surprise if I'm going to be honest, only because when I think back on my childhood and remember the most influential woman in my life, my mother of course, it's just, you wouldn't have expected me getting these questions. I mean, my mom is so casual when it comes to her skincare and beauty routine y'all all it really is is a splash of water on her face at the top of the day and the end of the day I'm not kidding and what that's meant is that my mom has great skin she's 62 years old but there are other things that I've been able to teach her because the second most influential woman in my life my grandmother Lillian y'all hear me talk about her all the time on this show she was Miss Glam okay she always had a red lip she was always bringing me to department store kind of beauty counters and uh, I always loved getting getting that little gift that she would get with her purchase. I was always enjoying kind of sampling everything from perfumes to skincare creams and masks and of course the lipstick that she got. I always wanted to bring that home too. (laughs) So I really fall in the middle of those two women and it makes sense because they influenced me so much and I really really appreciate Birchbox because to me they are a subscription box that really speaks to women like me who are more beauty casual you know they simplify all the beauty and grooming products out there for you I mean if you're like me I'm not gonna lie y'all my tweezer 
I use it more to pluck my little chin hairs that keep on coming back every month than to pluck my eyebrows, okay? So Birchbox and their experts, they select five deluxe size samples, those little samples that I got when I was a kid. They put them all together and they tailor them to my unique beauty profile, which is really dope products every month that I get really speak to me and what I want and what I'm interested in trying out. They put together a little cheat sheet that tells me what to use each product for and how, and they wrap it up in a cute little box that I can reuse any way I want to. You know, you can also test drive products at your own pace on your own terms. So I'm here to give you a little exciting news. If you join the Birchbox community today, you can get 50% off of your first box. Just head over to birchbox.com slash black girl in ohm. Don't forget to use that promo code black girl in ohm and you get 50% off your first Birch box, which is an amazing deal. And hey, if something ends up not being for you from your box, it's amazing because you haven't had to spend time, money, and effort getting the product and then finding that on the back end. So hopefully you love it. Hopefully those of y'all who are a bit more casual, especially these days, (laughs) when the most you might do like me is put on a little lip gloss before you meet someone on Zoom, it's going to be great. And let's bring it back to intergenerational healing because my self-love altar that I created for this sadhana journey that I'm on is adjacent to my ancestral altar in progress because I just moved. And so I feel like I'm still figuring out where and how to place it. But I do have photos of particularly my my maternal grandmother, who I always talk about, Lillian, Mm -hmm. and a photo of me as a child held by my mother next to my grandmother and my aunt. And when I think about... Mm -hmm. All of those three women in my family, I think about how in varying degrees, each of them, again, in various ways, I feel like their love and their just queenly royalty goddess energy <laughs> yes, come on, was not always matched energetically by their partners, right? <gasps> oh, my word. And so for me, when I make these acts of advocating for myself, making my needs and desires clear, I think about how that is, in fact, an act of healing, not only for myself, but for my for my family line, particularly the women in the family. Yep. When you heal yourself, you heal seven generations before you and seven generations to come. And so the beauty of that is that similarly, my maternal grandmother, Norma Yvonne Osborne, she transitioned from breast cancer at 36. When I turned 36, I felt her mantle placed on my shoulders. Wow. And apparently I'm the spitting image of her physically. And I look at the pictures and I'm like, I'm, I see the cheekbones, I see the height, but you got your hat on, Nana. I can't tell what's going on. Um, but it's so important because our mothers learned from their mothers and we are not doing what their mothers taught them. And so that is startling to some of our moms and our aunts and our godmothers, right? They're like, no, this is what you need to do. This is what I had to do. This is how it works. And you're saying, no, it's not. So that does two things. And when we're ready to talk about, you know, the maternal wound, where many of us had the audacity to pursue our dreams and say, I'm not doing things that way because I know there's a better way for me. And not shaming them, but maybe they felt shame. And then there's some resentment or some jealousy or some envy because mom put her dreams on the back burner for the family. Mom denied her desire to make sure the kids were all right and the husband was all right. And And then there's a second part where it's like, when you are pursuing your dreams with reckless abandon, it signals to other people this shit was possible the entire time. Isn't that a trip? And so you are evidence of what could have been, what should have been in their lives. That is very, very hard to confront in a loved one. But that is a part of the work that we get to do. And if, you know, your biological folks, if they're chose family, if they're not ready to have those conversations, get to your altar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I I really love to what you ended us with, which is get to your altar. Um, a lot of the conversations that we're having this season more than ever before is about ancestral connection and healing. And there's a lot of questions in that for a lot of us, right? There's a lot of questions. Yeah. Of, Where do I start? How do I begin? What does it mean to connect with my ancestors? For you, yeah. what is like one practice or ritual that you have found to be deeply healing and deeply um, connecting as well? Mm. That is a great question. So my journey to ancestral talk <laughs> started when I started attending these Afrocentric churches in Atlanta. And there were these folks who were, we are African and we are Christian. We are black and we are spiritual, like everything. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I love this integration. And so I did find out my ancestry on my mom's side is from Sierra Leone. So West Africa, definitely getting some Yoruba kind of culture there. And then on my dad's side from Angola, also West Africa, Southern central Southern and, you know, lots of warrior energy. And so the more I learn about my people, my my tribes, the more I'm like, this is why I am the way that I am. Like this goes back generations. Um, And so my ancestral altar is a super sacred space for me. Um, I know a lot of people like, well, how do I get started? You literally just need a glass or a bowl of water and a candle, preferably white. And that's it. (laughs) You know, you state your name in front of your altar and there's some bell that rings in the ancestral realm. They're like, hey, LaVon Briggs, she's, you know, your, your people are like mounting and, and gathering and mobilizing and coming to your aid. I would say just starting with the, uh, a small altar. I know that everyone's living situation is different. And so it's inconspicuous enough where you can put it on a ledge or on a dresser, maybe with some flowers, right? And um, you won't call too much attention to it. But if you live by yourself or you live with people who understand, go all out. What kinds of flowers do you feel led to buy? Um, What colors do you feel led to decorate with? You know, my ancestry is Caribbean and I have been giving my ancestors coffee every day. And Mm -hmm. I felt like, oh, we want some Ovaltine. I'm like, where am I going to find some Ovaltine? But I'm going to find it. And I found the Jamaican website and now I can get, you know, so yes. trust yourself. The, if you're feeling led to connect with your ancestors, it's because your ancestors are already talking to you. Yes. That reassurance is so affirming mm. for many of us, too, who feel like, we need to quote unquote know, right? Like we need to know the names, we need to know the exact family tree, we need to know where, because there are a lot of gaps for a lot of us in our history. And what I've learned this past year, you know, in the the first episode of the season, I opened up about my journey of returning home and how divinely led Mm -hmm. it was. And I have to actually share, you know, a follow-up conversation about what happened once I got back. (laughs) Um, Mm. But what I'll say right now is that, you know, there's so much power in asking questions of the elders in the family that do carry more Mm -hmm. of the, quote-unquote, actual, like, information of the generation that came maybe a a generation or two or three before you. And Mm -hmm. sometimes we don't realize how much we do carry that Mm. we take for granted and we take it for granted until someone passes away and then we can't ask the questions anymore if it's not documented right Mm -hmm. and so for me like quite literally you know when I first developed my ancestral altar because all of this is still new for me only in the past year um, Mm -hmm. I you know would just simply pray and ask like for clarity around who my elevated ancestors were you know Mm. those who in their lifetime they elevated they ascended to a place where on the other side they can assist me right and I was just starting to get the sense of like looking at old family photos and just asking and like literally trusting what came up that word of trust that you said that's what came up and so in one of my prayers I was feeling really connected to my great uncle Marcel he he's my Mm. maternal grandmother's brother and I met him but I was a baby right like I don't remember this man right (laughs) but I was feeling energetically connected to him so after I was done I go into the next room and my mom I just interrupted her she was working work from home life quarantine life and I asked her mom I was like um can you tell me more about uncle Marcel and she was like (gasps) 
he was my favorite uncle. And I was like, what? And she was like, we have the same birthday. And I was like, what? And then she just starts going (laughs) in about him. She pulls out, um, she pulls out like some papers and some photos of him. And I was just like, wow, I, because I trusted what came up. um, And because I was willing to then speak it and ask, I received so much. Right. Yeah. And that's it. Ask and trust. So much of what we need is already on the inside of us. And many of us don't even know that. Right. So that hunch, that inner knowing, that intuition, intuition is a very divine feminine trait. Yes. And for those of us who were raised in churches, we got all of this toxic patriarchy and anything feminine was diminished or demonized. And so it's energetically right stuck to our psyche and we have to consciously unlearn that anything feminine is less than the fact of the matter is you cannot negate an entire segment of the population and expect to have wholeness there is no way that you can oppress women that you can you know say be seen and not heard there's no way that you can dishonor creation and expect to have wholeness and healing right right? that's not that's not how it goes down not with my god and so my ancestral healing journey has been so helpful because i feel unfuckwittable i i i have made these connections and i have this deep warrior energy circle of protection hedge of protection that i didn't have with my biological family and so Some of you know this, but for those of you who are new to my story, I was sexually abused by my biological father as a child. And I am estranged from my father and his side of the family. And so I remember I was in New Orleans this summer in like June, and I set up my ancestral altar like I do. And, you know, my mom's side is heavy because those are my road dogs. We out here. (laughs) And I felt this nudge like, hey, don't forget about us. And it was my paternal ancestors. And so I went to a botanica and I got them a candle and I said, okay, this is for y'all. Lauren, that candle melted all over the place. It made a mess. I didn't realize I wasn't supposed to be burning candles in my Airbnb, like staying the dresser for it. But I was like $250 to repair her dresser. There is no price that you could pay, right? To have connection to your paternal ancestors when your father is the one who harmed you. And so understanding that the message that I got was clear is we know what he did. We're going to deal with him on this side, but we are here for you. Uh, And so ancestral connection heals even relationships that have been broken in the earthly realm. Thank you for that. Moreover, yes, you are so worthy. I feel led to share this as well. Ancestral veneration does not require you to venerate problematic ancestors. If you know for a fact that your grandfather was trash, you do not have to have him on your altar. Right. Right. And so you you can ask for clarity. You can ask ancestors named and unnamed, known and unknown, Um, honorable ancestors, honorable spirit guides. Don't be afraid about who you want showing up for you. Yes. Yes. You just spoke to me (laughs) directly with that one because, you know, I have been on a journey of healing a lot of my, you know, wounds and and my dynamic with my father. And I have in the past only few months of the ancestral work that I've been doing realized how I have because of feeling estranged, but not quite being estranged, you know, when Uh like, um, you know, some I feel like this actually happens a lot within the black community, but like you're you're just so used to being close to one side of the family that the other one yep. you just kind of just don't think about anymore. You right, know, like mm-hmm. like because of you know my father's own emotional trauma. Like even when his mother, my grandmother, passed away, he was like, "I'll go to the funeral. Like you all don't need to come." Mm. So as a young mm. girl, I got the message of like, when someone dies, someone of significance, it's not important to show up. Yeah. Right. So I've just I've just shared that as an example to show like the distancing, the emotional distancing that I've just gotten so used to when it comes to my father's line. But similar to what you shared, Levon, my mother, again, this was earlier this year when I was living back at home. My mother, quote unquote, randomly, my mom is such a oracle, y'all. My mom (laughs) came into my room, knocked quietly, 
She's like, here, why'd she hand me a photo of that grandmother that I was just referring to? Wow. And I was like, oh, like, what's this? Basically, like, why are you bringing me this? And she was just like, oh, I just found it. I thought you, you should have it. And I was wow. like, oh, okay. All right. So she sure wants to be moving, child. <laughs> literally. <laughs> literally. Like, we just don't, we don't know the ways that our ancestors are desiring to support us and connect with us if we only just give them the, a moment of time. <laughs> Literally. And that requires us to what? To slow down. And that's what this moment I feel like, Lauren, is all about. Like, I know that COVID-19 has taken 220,000 plus lives. I know that life has been forever changed. But when I tell you that 2020 has still been a year of clarity, of vision, (laughs) has still been abundant, I have still seen God move and ancestors move in my life. Like 2020 is not canceled. The power of the spoken word, y'all, right? What you speak, you will see. And this is why it's so important for us to have holistic conversations about wellness. Just because this particular portion of Twitter is talking about how trash (laughs) 2020 is, doesn't mean that you need to co-sign that. Yes. Yes. Right? It means that you need to change, you need to curate your timeline in such a way that you see what is affirming for you. Your literal timeline, too. L- you're lit- no, I'm <laughs> literally the people you follow. Yes. Because we spend so much time online. Yes. And so for me, it's been so helpful to do two things. One, to realize that manifestation, like pop culture manifestation, as it was taught to me, is a scam, right? Because it's like, oh, just think happy thoughts and you'll just attract and blah, blah, blah. Like, no, you need to heal to get to a place where you can think that thing and believe that it is true. Yes. If it were just about think positive thoughts, then a lot of things would be different. Because your thoughts are informed by your beliefs. So the beliefs, that's the core. That's the core of everything. And you'll know your beliefs by by what is happening also within your life. Um, Correct. Within the things that you can control, of course, you know? Because I think that there can be a lot of shaming as well around like, just believe this and then da 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 da. Mm-hmm. But it's like we, you know, we can't control it. Um, I mean, if if you're a straight white man, of course that works for you. <laughs> if you're a middle class white woman, right. of course. Was it manifestation or was it white privilege? Like right. simmer down. Right. So right. when it comes to us, yes. I have learned that it's less about manifesting and more about aligning and being. Yes. Because here's embodying, the embodying, embodying embodying we then we were just talking about that we are the magic yes we are the magic yes there is no need to look for something that you desire outside of yourself are there going to be other people involved in the project making in the dream um manifesting absolutely yeah but it originates with you and so i feel like tapping into ancient African spirituality and talking to my ancestors who are the ultimate cheat code, right? Is the clear link for me, for my spiritual journey, which has helped me to accept myself in more magnificent ways, right? When I think about spiritual traditions like Ifa, where literally it's written into the ethic of the spiritual system, that abundance is your birthright. Yes. That means that anything that's not abundant is does not belong to me. (laughs) And it's not that it's just money. See, in this capitalist society, we think abundance is just money, abundance of joy, abundance of peace, abundance of pleasure, abundance in all its form. Unlimited possibilities of how your life can look. Okay. No limited perception on these eyes. Mm, my life coach shout out to jay king he was like there are as many versions of you as there are possibilities which means there are unlimited versions of you yes what you get to figure out is which version are you going to call into being yeah like okay <laughs> sorry, me, why i pay you the big bucks get me together <laughs> get me together so whatever you think will be will be let's just meditate on that for a second <sighs> I would love to close with a consideration of something I know we've touched on and leaned into during this conversation, but you said that you wanted to really center this, which is the art of reintegrating our sensuality, our sexuality, and our spirituality. Yeah. You know, and when I think about who I am now versus who I was, um, I would say not quite 10 years ago. We're like Mm. six years ago, 
You know, when I was unfolding out of this dogmatic approach to Christianity Uh and I was really scared, quite honestly. Yeah. um, Because for me, I'll just own my experience. I was conditioned to just always focus on if you die and you don't have this like you know, strong Christian (laughs) um, way of living, then Uh you're going to go to hell. So everything was Uh about hell. Everything Uh was about hell. Uh Even Uh if it wasn't, it was still about hell low-key, right? (laughs) And so I existed for a couple years in this space of free-falling, not really connecting to any um, faith tradition, Uh still 100% all about God, right? Like I was mm-hmm. like, God exists, God is here, right. I'm connected right. to God. Right. Um, but being afraid still at the same mm-hmm. time of what it meant for me to not identify as, right? Right. And then once I started really getting a sense of peace with this spaciousness of curiosity, mm-hmm. okay, well, mm-hmm. if I don't identify strongly as Mm-hmm. <laughs> what else is here for me to explore, right? Right. And I'm just a lifelong learner. So that's when I, I'd been practicing yoga, meditation, but I deepened into exploring what felt yeah. resonant with me. And then mm-hmm. I found this excitement in, yes. like, oh, wow, I get to connect direct to source. Oh, wow. Yes. I still love Jesus. Jesus still love me. <laughs> like, yes. like, it was like, <laughs> but it was like, I had to go through a whole mm-hmm. journey, right? And I actually, I'll never forget forget last year on christmas <laughs> i talk about agape all the time on the show but i love agape spiritual center <laughs> we stay at agape yes <laughs> so i was at agape on christmas and i was emotional i was in tears because i realized mm. that my journey with unconditional love actually mm. allowed me to like return to and get even closer with this embodiment of christ and specifically christ consciousness and yep. i was just like wow low key I've returned in a new way to the faith tradition that I thought that I had been excommunicated from because I didn't vibe with it in this particular way. And so I was just profoundly, like, awakened, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I suppose. I want you to know that I see you, okay, for you you. and for anyone else who's listening. Like, (laughs) hell as a concept, as a fiery pit, is not a real place, right? When the Bible is talking about hell, it's often about oppressive conditions. When Jesus says hell, he literally means an incinerator. It's only when church leaders were like, how do we control people and get them to do what we want and go along with the status quo? Let's create this fiery pit and, you know, condemn people to it. Like, stop. So uh, if there's any residue of that for anyone who's listening, I honor you and I understand that it is psychological warfare, but hell is not a real place. So (laughs) do with that information what you will. And I realize that so much of what we get to do is a reclamation of unlearning anything that is anti-Black, anti-woman, anti us <laughs> and calling in the parts of ourselves that are literally seen as divine looking at black feminine goddesses looking at um african women deities seeing god when we look in the mirror right yes. and Shange, i found god within myself and i loved her i loved her fiercely even knowing that you can refer to god as a woman mother god right um that that's not something we grow up hearing, but it is absolutely positively your birthright. So if you're feeling called or led to any kind of spiritual modality, just explore. You know, it took me a long time to get into yoga because I heard yoga is demonic and evil. And I was like, it's literally breathing and moving. <laughs> what you don't want is for me to be comfortable in my body. What you don't want is for me to own my and embrace and express my sexuality. That's what you don't want. To connect with God outside of a building religious dogma right and these and these edifices because we are gods on the earth we human expressions of the divine and so there is no reason why you cannot celebrate your body yes there's no reason why you cannot honor your body uh i know that some horrific things may have happened to you but that does not have to be the end all be all you do not have to live in your trauma your body temple is your home furnish your home, love on your home so that you feel at home in your body. Yes. Yes. Thank you. That's such a beautiful and affirming 
and holistic place to close. <laughs> I'm not going to say to end because you're going to be back because <laughs> after we both manifest Bay, we got to we got to oh, give the story about how we got there. Testify, girl. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, though. I want you to tell the people how they can stay in touch, um, the yeah. ways that you're holding space for all mm-hmm. of this, right? Like, this is what you do. Yeah. <laughs> all of what we talked about this is what you do. <laughs> <laughs> With my life. And it is a beautiful journey, and I'm so grateful. So, yeah. Follow me, join the community. There are a number of ways to get in touch with me. Again, I'm doing work around decolonizing Christianity, um, reclaiming our spiritual base and practices, offering support and resources to survivors of sexual assault and helping us to unapologetically love ourselves. And so LavonP.com is my website. It's a great way to get, you know, a bird's eye view of everything that I'm doing. Um, I am on Instagram a lot. (laughs) so meet me there that's where we have church on Sundays and Wednesdays um, I'm a tarot card reader we hold cards we we preach we listen to music right beautiful community Um, my Patreon is a great place if you're ready to learn in community with other people about the art of reintegrating your spirituality your sensuality and your sexuality Um, I do coach so if you're interested in that we can work one-on-one and then the last offering well, two last offerings that I have. One is an online course called I'm a Thriver Healing Faith and Sexual Trauma and Cohort 4 starts November 11th. And then I just launched uh, a sensual faith series where we issues our sensuality and our bodies and just releasing shame that may be attached to our body temples. Yes. So that's what I'm up to. Oh, and writing a book, of course. <laughs> of all the things, all the things. Uh, thank you for showing up yeah. for you and for your your purpose, because especially at mm. this time, there's so many of us who, who need this. And, yeah, you know, 2020 is is this reminder of how important it is for us to say yes to whatever call has been placed on our lives um, and to not allow the ego, right? That part of us, it's like, Mm -hmm. no, we're going to stay over here though. No, I'm too afraid to be seen. No, I'm too afraid to receive. No, I'm too afraid. We got to say, it's okay for you to think that that's where what we're going to do but what's it today what we going to do is this and you have been really standing in your power. So I see you. I honor you. I thank you. Thank you. And that resonates with me, Lauren. There's a scripture that I was raised as knowing as God has not given us a spirit of fear. But the actual closest translation is God has not given us a spirit of cowardice. So it doesn't matter that fear is present. Fear just means that you are doing something outside of your comfort zone. But we are not cowards. So we move forward in the face of fear with God, with our ancestors and with our community. I'm getting convicted. (laughs) I'm getting convicted. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) I love you so much. Thank you you so much for inviting me into this space. The thing is, I'm about to invite you to something else lit. So get excited. The BJO community is going to get blessed even more soon. Lego, Lego, Lego. I'm here for it. Thank you so much. And you're so worthy. (laughs) All right. Be well. Bye. I affirm that you discover this conversation in divine time and that you'll activate any of the insights that resonated with you powerfully moving forward. Now, at Black Girl and Home, we're all about gratitude. So special thanks to our audio engineer, India Jordan, for adding your magic. Khalid Beef, your original music. Valerie Titus Glover and Rosalind Davis for your support in the production of this episode. And thank you, yes you, <laughs> for listening to the show. Y'all, Black Girl and Home is here for you. We're actively rewriting the narrative of what well-being looks like to ourselves and in our communities. To get more involved and to learn more about us, head to blackgirlandohm.com and join our newsletter while you're at it. If you do, you'll get an exclusive and free download of a meditation led by yours truly for Black women and girls everywhere. Are you also deepening into your journey of wholeness and healing with us on social? Follow us at Black Girl and Ohm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. What we're about here is real sustained impact. If you're influenced by something that you heard on our podcast and want to support, you can make a contribution today by heading to blackgirlinohm.com slash support. All right, y'all, breathe easy. Thank you.
Thank you.